What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Yo, what up? We are back with another episode of You Can't Guard Me. Um, per usual, thank you again for listening in. I really do appreciate it. Um, the more feedback you guys have from me, the better uh, my shows can get here. Uh, as long as you guys know, if you're a first-time listener, just know I don't edit my stuff. I talk all the way through it, uh, then I post so I'll I'll be done with this in about I don't, I don't know we got a few things to uh, talk about today but as soon as I get done with this I'm posting it and then it'll be available on Spotify pretty much right away it'll be available on Anchor pretty much right away uh, iTunes it takes a few hours to uh, go through but that'll be available probably sometime tonight sometime uh, Sunday night uh, and I will definitely post that on my Twitter. If you guys don't follow me, uh, I am It's Ant Wright on Twitter. You can follow me there. Um, I try to engage with as many people as possible. So once again, hey, I am so sorry if I, if at times I do blow up your timeline. It's just that when people respond, I try to respond to as many people as possible. I try not to, you know, post something and then just not have a dialogue. You know, what's the point of uh, Twitter then? So... It is in my bio as a disclosure to say, hey, real quick, <laughs> sometimes I tweet too much, which sometimes I do, but uh, self-awareness is a is a good thing. But sometimes I do tweet too much, so sorry if I do blow up your timeline at times. Um, that's just, I mean, that's just, you know, me. That's just what I do. So you guys have any type of feedback please let me know if you guys have any ideas please let me know and then we will uh i'll try to incorporate it at some point and i'll kind of go from there uh i do have a lot of ideas planned out um you know we're sitting here beginning of july uh we got august and then football is football time so i'm really excited about that I'm, I'm, i'm gonna have some things planned for that um we're all pretty much be doing this weekly Throughout probably throughout until about April, uh, I'll try to get things done weekly, whether it's preview on football, whether it's a preview on basketball. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I cannot wait. So please make sure you rate, subscribe and all that fun stuff, whether you use iTunes, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, like I don't know what you use in terms of your podcast, how you're listening to them. But whatever you do, turn on the notifications because I really want to know what you guys think. Um, So, yeah, let's get right into it. I'm not here to waste your time with stuff that you don't want to hear about. So the, the second most important decision came through this past weekend. Came in yesterday. Came in yesterday and um, it's crazy how that went down. So Kawhi Leonard is going to the Clippers. And the way that he uh, 
finesse the Lakers was pretty dope. So he waited a long time. He waited a long, long time, waited for all these free agents to get locked up by other teams to the point where Lakers were pretty much, it was Kawhi or bust. And the next thing I know, I see Danny Green being signed for 30 mil and they're paying this other guy three or four mil. And I'm sitting here like, how, how, you know, how are they going to pay for Kawhi? And then sure enough, saw the news that he's going to the Clippers. So not only is he going to the Clippers, he also got Paul George to demand a trade um, to get sent to the Clippers too. I'm not sure how, you know, that's, that's wild to me. That's wild to me how, you know, teams will, like, work together like that. Not for the trade, but, you know, for to say, okay, Paul, we'll send you exactly where you want to go. The Spurs sent Kawhi to a whole nother country, <laughs> even though they did win the championship, which, which was a great thing for them, great thing for Toronto and, uh, you know, Kawhi to come out on top like that. But it's just one of those things where, you know, that just doesn't happen as smoothly like that. Um, they gave up some picks, but I mean, overall, click, uh, the Clippers look uh, pretty good. Um, then I saw late last night that the Pistons were aggressively pursuing Russell Westbrook. A lot of people are very 50-50 on this. They're, you know, they're like, eh, I don't know. I see it as a positive. I see it as the Pistons are doing something, like do something. If you do something, it can if it gets worse, it's great because now you can get some get into a, a better draft position. If it gets better, hey, now you can try to find a way to get back to the NBA Finals. Um, if you just stay where you're at now, hey, then nothing was lost pretty much. Um, I like it. I like the idea of Russell Westbrook out east. If you look at the west, like like eighty percent of eighty percent of like the elite players. And that's being very conservative. I'll say like almost 90% of the best players in the league, they're all in the West. So Russell Westbrook escaping that and going out East, I mean, what guards are you really going up against? Oladipo is a good player, but he's coming off of injury. Kemba Walker's a good player, but they're not Steph Curry. They're not Dame. Um, so him being able to go out East, I think um, Pistons would do very, very well. And, you know, I had some people get mad at me when I said, you know, this can move them out to being the fourth best team in the East. And they were like, eh, why all that for to be, to be, you know, fourth. It's not about, it's not a, it's not a, don't look at it as being fourth in the East. Look at them as being in a position in the seven game series, you know, they can compete with some of these teams. Sixers still don't know how to win. Um, the Bucks, you know, they were up 2-0 and then lost four in a row. Their best player is not a great shooter. So, you know, there's some teams, you know, Celtics, they just had a bunch of movement. Nets, KD's not playing next year. You know, so, you know, there's there is some there is a there is some opportunity there if you're able to get a next level guard. You know, you have Russ Westbrook and then backing him up is Derek Derek uh, Rose? I know it's not D Rose from you know two two thousand nine to two two thousand ten. I know that, but still, you're you're gonna have two explosive guards, two explosive scoring guards, one who's averaged a triple double for one or two years in a row. 
I know that's kind of an overrated stat, but the fact that you have someone who's going to play that hard, he only knows one switch, and that's on, and that's on all the time. Blake Griffin is pretty similar. I think they, they would feed off of each other very, very well. Um, you're pretty much going to have a Western coach, a West, a Western type conference team in the East. I think um, personally, I think they that team could do some damage. All depends on who they're giving up. Uh, I I wouldn't give up Kennard. Wouldn't give up Griffin. Um, anyone else is you know, it's whatever. And I know Gores isn't giving up Drummond. Uh, I know it's going to be Jackson and whatever other package they give and some and some draft picks but who cares um you're you're gonna have three four you know four future all-stars on that team and i know you guys are like will will be so good if it was 2011 i don't think so i think you have um one of the better point forwards in the game in blake griffin um you're gonna have russell westbrook who is uh one of the better guards in the game very very explosive and, you know, then you have Kennard, who was slowly coming into his own. I think this uh, third year, I think he's going to be pretty solid. Um, a lot of potential there. A lot of potential there. Hope they're able to pursue that. Okay. Now, moving on to what most of you guys are here for. And that is because the biggest decision came down on Saturday was uh, Franz Wagner committing to Michigan signing to Michigan like it's official official um the team tweeted it out once the team tweets it out it's pretty much good to go letter of intent is in huge get by you know Howard and the new staff huge and that also shows that Franz was really attracted to Michigan itself less you know the staff there probably cemented his feeling and you know want him wanting to be there, but I think he fell in love with with uh, Michigan first, and those are the, the type of guys that Beeline recruited. You know, do you see yourself falling in love with this school? Can you thrive in this environment? Um, seeing what Mo did, you know, seeing his mom, his you know her reaction at the national during the national championship run, um, that's uh. I just think Franz just fell in love with the school first before he fell in love with the staff. And I think that was very, very important, um, which is a little bit different than how things usually work. Um, this was a different situation, though, because you had a coach. Usually when a coach leaves, he's either doing one or two things. He's either retiring or he's leaving for a better job in the collegiate ranks. Neither of those things happened. So when a coach leaves and goes to another school in the collegiate ranks, a lot of times those recruits will follow him unless that coach says he picks and chooses which ones will be good enough to come with. Um, this has happened like twice that I know of where a coach is coming off a successful basketball season and then jumps to the NBA. Um Last time was probably Florida in 2015. Uh, there was a guy named Kavon Allen, one of the better recruits in the country. He signed his letter of intent in April. And then Billy Donovan accepts the Oklahoma City job April 30th. By May 15th, 
Allen decommits. His family's on radio shows talking about he's about to get out of his letter of intent. He's about to get to get his release. And people were saying, hey, okay, so he's going to leave Florida. And then he's going to choose between Memphis, Arkansas, and Kansas. Um, then on May 7th, uh, Mike White from Louisiana Tech gets hired in. And him and his staff get to work on Kavon, and the next thing you know, Kavon Allen reaffirms his commitment to Florida and the new staff, and he was there for all four years, and he just graduated. Uh, another time that happened was Butler. You know, Brad Stevens, He, you think Beeline left at a rough time. Beeline left, like, towards the, like, beginning, middle of May. Um, Brad Stevens left July 3rd. <laughs> <laughs> he left July 3rd. So that's uh that's that's wild to me. So he had four recruits committed. They all played their first year at Butler. Three of them transferred out after their first year. Um that just tells me that they were they were that tells me that they were committed to Brad Stevens, not necessarily Butler. Their whole, I mean, and by July 3rd, you're already in classes. If they were to leave at that point, it, it would have been an NCAA thing where could you give the waiver, could you not? Uh, but usually they would have had to probably wait their first year, redshirt their first year, and then play that following year. Um, so, yeah, it was, um, you know, great get by the staff, huge now, most of today is going to be questions because there's going to be more questions than there are answers when it comes to uh, Wagner. Um, I'm not going to call him Wagner yet. That just comes, I don't know. It's probably Franz Wagner or something. I don't know. But I'm going to call him Franz Wagner. I'm going to put the most American nonsense accent on this thing. Franz Wagner. That's what I'm going to call him. Until someone corrects me and says they're offended. Um, then I probably still won't do it. So, he kept Bajima. He kept Wagner. Wilson left. You know what? That You know, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, getting Wagner and not getting Wilson is totally fine. I had some questions asking me if Wilson came. Do you think uh, Wagner still would have came? I 100% believe so. Um, if Wilson came, I think Wagner would have came. I think Wagner was, you know, I don't think he was focused on anybody else. Him playing against pros, I don't think he was worried about anybody else either. Um, which is, I just think that his confidence is at such a level where no recruit will kind of phase him. Where he's afraid of playing time if someone comes in or I just think that it was between him and Michigan. He, he, I don't think he could care any less who else came in. Um, I had a question about his NBA comp. So his NBA comparison, um, you guys aren't going to like this one. Um, because this, the way that France plays is he's not a flashy dude. He's not going to come out, Yap, yap at your ankles. He's not going to come out with a crossover behind the back, step back three. 
He's not gonna, you know, windmill dunk on you on the on the baseline. This dude is crazy fundamentally sound. He moves at his speed. He doesn't do anything that wows you. Uh, he is um, as basic as a basketball player as you would, you know, see. But he does a lot of things at, at an elite level. So, in my opinion, his NBA comparison is going to be a little bit more efficient because he's a better shooter. He's a better shooter, but he doesn't put it on the deck as well as him. Um, and that's probably, in my opinion, this is my opinion, is going to be a younger Portland version of Nick Batum. Nick Batum, that's N-I-C space B-A-T-U-M. Nick Batum. Um, he's a great player. He's now with the Charlotte Hornets. He's been in the league for, I don't know, 11, 12 years now. Um, great player. Great, great player. One of the more underrated guards out there. Kind of moves at his speed. He gets to his spots. He's not going to out-athletic you, but crazy smart, high IQ, un- underrated passer, great shooter. Um, that's my NBA comp. If you don't know who that is, you know, look him up. Um, it's a great player, but don't get caught up in the, don't get caught up in the, don't get caught up in the highlights stuff. You know, look at what they're doing, see their footwork, see how they take contact, see how they finish. Um, Wagner being a below the rim player, he still does score at all three levels. Um, a lot of these questions I did get on Twitter. I did get them on Twitter, um, but I'm going to re-answer them, but not having a 280-character limit, I could you know, expand more and be more detailed here. I had questions about the starting five. Um, this is actually a really interesting question. Um, I do think that Simpson starts. I think Wagner starts. I do think that Liver starts. I also do think that Wagner starts. So Simpson, Wagner, Livers, Teske. That leaves pretty much five guys um, beating for one spot. And that all depends. That all depends on how Jawan operates, which I don't know yet. That's that's like the big thing. If I had seen him coach a year. I would have an idea of how he'll start and finish games or even just a few games. Just see him coach a few games just just to see what type of guy he is. Um, But uh, if you look at the lineup, I think it's going to come down to is he going to play Livers at the three or the four? He could play a bit of both because Livers is big enough to play the four. He also has enough – also has enough – you know, perimeter ability to play the three. Um, all comes down to if... I don't know. Because I'm hearing Wagner is... People are saying 6'9". I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I thought he was 6'7". I thought he was 6'7". Um, but then someone sent me... I think his name is like... His Twitter name is like Spaley23. You know, he sent me pictures of him sitting next to Wagner and... Wagner's all of six eleven, and you know, I'm looking at it, and I'm and I'm trying to play devil's advocate, and I'm like, all right, he's minimum six eight, <laughs> he's minimum six eight, he's probably six nine, but he's minimum six eight. 
Um, it's a big dude. He's probably taller than Livers is, if that's the case. Because Livers is about 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, um, I don't know if... I don't know if if Juwan's going to go to a smaller... To a smaller starting five? Or a bigger one? So, I don't know if it's... For the two spot, it's going to be DJ, Nunez, or Brooks. If they go smaller. Um, if they go bigger... They'll probably have Wagner at the two and then Livers at the three. And then Johns and Castleton battling for the four spot. Um, and starting five doesn't mean much to me. Um, I wanna I wanna know when you're up two or down two with two minutes left. I wanna see who's in the game. Uh that's where you know, you'll really get to see who who they trust. When the game's on the line, who do they trust? Um, and a lot a, a lot of times you'll see some funky lineups in, in there all because there are guys who coach trusts and who coach doesn't trust. At the same time, Jawan is a new coach. He has no loyalty to anybody. Anybody. You could very well see DeJulius starting in front of Simpson. Honestly, I mean, you can you can see that. Um, if if you know Jawan wants more scoring off the off the uh, bench, you can see him going with you know DJ backing up Simpson, but playing twenty twenty five minutes. Simpson playing round twenty. I don't know. I don't know because these aren't Howard's guys. So Howard is gonna. You know, coach to the best of his ability based on his philosophy. So, I think the only one really locked in, really locked in, locked in to a starting spot is probably going to be uh, Teske is one, uh, Livers is two, and I and Wagner. I think those three are the, are going to be the most locked in. Um, if the if the Julius gives Simpson hell all summer and fall, the Julius will play over him. I'm sorry, that's just gonna happen. And vice versa, if Simpson comes out and you know, and shows Howard that he can run the team and he can score the ball and he can do a lot of different things, he'll play. Um, as an NBA guy, I see him going to, you know. At times, he could go, you know, more of just like three or four forwards and one guard. I have to see more. I have to see more. But gun to head, I will go with Simpson. I'll go with Simpson. I'll go with Teske. I'll go with Livers. Between Johns and Castleton, I'll probably go with Johns. And... Gun to head, Nunez or Brooks. I'll probably go. I'll probably go Nunez. If Nunez shows that he can guard, if he can show that he can guard, um, people, a lot of people talking junk saying he can't shoot. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, don't judge him on last year. Don't judge him on last. Don't judge anybody who hasn't really gotten a real opportunity. 
Like, I had to have this conversation with people about about uh, DJ Wilson. Same exact conversation. They're saying, well, DJ Wilson, he can't do this, and he can't dribble, and he can't do this, and he can't do that, and, you know, he can't chew gum and share sh- this. I'm like, look, man. Dude is capable of being a great basketball player. He is capable of being a first-round pick. He is capable of being one of the better forward defenders on the team. Very good player. High ceiling. He can shoot it. He's long. He can handle the rock. He can pass it. He can do a lot of things. And people laughed at me. It's like, look. These dudes, they are all capable. They are all capable. All of them. You put any of these dudes when they were in high school, you put them at an average public school, they're averaging 30. Like, these are, these are legit dudes. These are high major Division I players. Um, if Nunez shows that he could defend at a high level... I think he has a chance to play. I think he has a chance to even start and have a legit opportunity. Um, people are like, yeah, he's one for 13 last year. Look, dude sits down for two hours that he's asked to go in there, run offense, and shoot open, sh- I mean, shoot open shots when the game is already in hand. Yeah, you should be ready to play and all that garbage, but I mean, like, come on. Come on. That's not a real opportunity. Uh, don't judge him on that. He's a great shooter. Uh, just needs to show that he could play some defense. Um, I had a question about uh, Wagner spending more time at the two or the three. Goes back to the thing where I don't know Jawan's philosophy. Um, if this was, if this was, um, if this was Beeline, he would be a three. He will be a three 100%. He will be a three, 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 three. And not a lot of time will be taken away from him. He will be the three. Livers will be the four. Uh, Teske at the five. Simpson at the one. Brooks will probably start at the two. Uh, unless Nunez destroyed him. All fall and all October. Um, that's what the lineup would be if it was Beeline. But it's not Beeline. This is someone else who I don't even know. So I don't know if the two and the three are similar because with Beeline, the two and the three were not similar. The two and the one were similar. The three and the four were similar. I don't know if Jawan has something where the two, three, and four are similar. Um, I don't know if it's the one, two, and three are similar and the four and five are. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to run. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, By the way, this is right into all the mailbag stuff and all the questions that I've received over the last 24 hours. Uh, I had a question. Is he an immediate impact player? Yes. Yes. Immediately. Immediately. Immediately, you are going to feel his presence. You will feel his presence immediately. Uh, someone was saying how you know, you know, he has you know big shoes to fill with uh, with uh, Iggy Brzezdakis. 
I believe so. I believe he has big shoes to fill coming in your first year, but he was he was excelling against pros. When I'm when I say pros, I mean these are like legit pros, former college basketball players, some former NBA guys. I mean, on his team is a dude named Tyler Giffey. If you don't know who that is, um, he was one of the main pieces on the national championship team from uh, 2014. That team was Shabazz and them. Um, Giffey was on that team. He was on that team. And he played a huge role. Uh, he plays on he played on Alba with Franz Wagner. Um that was that is a legit league. I think that his biggest his biggest um his biggest obstacle is probably gonna be adjusting to the American game because it's very it's very different than the European game. I think that's gonna be the only difference. And uh he'll get a heavy taste of that all summer and all fall. A heavy taste all summer and all fall. Um but yeah, he he is going to impact this team immediately, immediately. I mean, he's going to play. He's probably probably going to start. Um, he's going to play a lot of minutes. He's a good player. He's a great player. Um, he's the only next level player on this team right now. Um, he's, he's probably the only one. If they were to come out next year, he's the only one that would get drafted, um, unless Livers or Johns just explodes. Um, which they can. They're very capable of doing so. They have all the all the all the measurables. They have the skill available. Um, all depends. But um, but uh, Franz is going to be the guy. Top three, top three on the top three on the, the uh, team in scoring. Top two or three on the team in, in uh, three point percentage. He's going to be the guy. Um, got a question? Is he better than Mo? Mo didn't become Mo until like year two, year three. You know, Mo didn't really become that guy until his last couple years. His first year, I remember like people cringed when he got in the game. You could see his passion, you could see his skill level, but I mean, dude couldn't last three minutes without getting three fouls. Um,. You could, but you could see his potential then, and he just got better and better and better and more. You know, I'll go ahead and say it, more cocky, more arrogant, and you know that's why he's become one of the more hated, more hated, hated players amongst the Big Ten, is because of that. You know, sticking the tongue out, talking that stuff. Um, Francis is going to be that guy day one. Soon as he walks in, you know he's gonna be one of the guys. That wasn't the case with Mo, because Mo had, you know, uh, Donut Muffin, and he had uh, Ricky Doyle, and all those guys. I mean, he, he had a lot of guys in front of him with a little bit more experience, and so his turn wasn't, you know, his turn wasn't right away. Wagner comes in into an immediate need. An immediate need. Immediate. Like, imagine if Mo came in this coming year, and but Castleton, Johns, and Teske weren't on the team. Like, Mo would probably play right away, forever. 
probably play a lot. Um, so yeah, France is going to be that dude day one. Day one. Um, this was one of my better questions coming up here. Because uh, some of the issues that hurt Poole and Simpson down the road that I mentioned in previous probably become factors in these lineups. Um, so that you mentioned in the previous pod became become factors in these lineups. Yes, 1,000%. Some of the issues that hurt Poole and Simpson um, towards the end, the, the, towards the, the second half of the year, um, that could become an issue, which goes back to Jawan doesn't have loyalty to Simpson. Jawan wants to win right now. He doesn't, he doesn't see this as a rebuilding year. I don't either. With how the roster is constructed, this isn't a rebuilding year. Um, this is a year where you know, you know, they should compete at a very high level. Um, but these issues could arise again, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. The only difference is now, you know, so like last year, Pool had the ball in ISO situations and pick and roll situations. On the wings, you had Simpson and Matthews. Those are those are guys where the defense can really sink to help on the pick and roll. If those were better shooters, they can't sink as much, more space to operate. But as I said before, it's a catch twenty two. You can't sit Simpson and Matthews last year. You just couldn't do it. Um, the way that beeline was and the way the system was ran, you can't sit those guys. Those are your best defenders. You can't sit them. Um, at the same time, this coming up year, uh, Juwan's a defensive guy. Now, if Simpson is, if Simpson and DeJulius are similar defensively based off of Juwan's scheme, Juwan can very well go towards a more offensive group than a defensive group. So could the same issues hurt? Yes, they could, but it's going to be a different team playing. You're going to have Livers playing a lot, Wagner playing a lot. Those guys are those guys are shooters. Those guys are pure shooters. Um Nunez can shoot. Brooks can shoot. They just need that that confidence. But they're very, very capable. Having those guys around you during a pick and roll just opens up the floor so much. So could those same things arise? Yes. But guys need to shoot at their cap- capability. Like they need to do what they they need to do what they do. You're a shooter, you shoot it. Uh, how does France change the win projection? Um, honestly, it you know having having a guy like that come into this roster where there's an immediate need for perimeter play. You know there were guys. You know there's there. You know Nunez is there, but there's no one else who's like a legit two three. No one else on this team outside of Nunez. None. No other 2-3 outside of Nunez. And you're going to ask a lot of a second-year player 
who didn't play a lot in his first year to fill that void. Um, then you're going to ask Livers to fill some of that void too when he's a natural four. But, you know, having Wagner come in, he's going to take a lot of pressure off a lot of people. Having Wagner come in, you know, I'm not really into win projections, but in, but I am always uh, I'm I'm always up for you know where where will you fall when it comes to seeding? Um, I would say you know basement for this team is going to be 500 in the Big Ten should be the basement, um, and then anything better, anything better than 13 and seven is going to I will be highly impressed. Highly impressed. If anything better than 13-7 and seven in the Big Ten this year, I will be so impressed with that team. Because 13-7, and 14-6, that puts you like around probably a 2-3-4 seed in the Big Ten tournament. Um, and then, uh, you know, you have, you know, Michigan State's right there. Um, Michigan State's right there, who's very, very good. But there's a lot of teams floating around. Um, you know, Illinois should be a lot better. Maryland should be all right. Maryland should be uh, good. Um, Nebraska is going to be way down, which is always a good thing. But they have a really good freaking coach. I'm really mad that he went there. I'm really mad that they that uh, they got Hoiberg. Like I'm really salty about that. I'm not gonna lie. Really, really salty about that. He is a he is a great coach. I don't think Nebraska deserves a great coach because I I can't stand Nebraska, man. Those dudes talk so much junk and they have no clue about anything. I mean, if you just bring up nineteen ninety seven national championship, or you bring up two thousand eighteen and how they got snubbed, quote unquote snubbed, which they didn't. Committee did a great job. They had a trash resume. You will be talking to Nebraska fans days and weeks on end, and they will raid your mentions. Mention any of those two things. Any of them. Worst school ever. Can't stand them. I don't care, and I, I really don't care what your experience has been going to Nebraska. I don't care. On Twitter, they are heathens. They are the worst. So... Back to what I was saying about the Big Ten. I mean, Iowa should be eh, so-so. Minnesota should be okay. Ohio State should be okay. Indiana should be okay. Rutgers should be a little bit better. Pico's been doing a great job over there. Penn State, I mean, they're going to be annoying still because they have Lamar Stevens, which she should have gone to a different school because he would be in the league right now if he did. Uh, Purdue will be okay. Wisconsin should be okay, even though they no longer have Ethan Ethan Happ. First time that's happened in eleven years. Um, I hate to say it, but it's the truth. This is going to be Michigan State's conference um, until proven otherwise. And uh, second place right now is going to be wide open. Uh, if we can get to you know, you know, ten and ten last year, got you sixth place. If you if you're better than that, I mean, you know, if you're in the top five, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. 
Top five of the Big Ten will be amazing. Um, top 20 team in the country will be amazing. <coughs> that puts them in a position to win a national championship. Now, I say that because you being a top 20 team, that means that your seeding will be right around like three, four-ish. Three seed or five seed. You're in a great position to make a run. You should win your first two games. You should win your first two games. And then you have to play probably a one or a two seed during the Sweet 16 after a whole week off with preparation, with the type of guys that are going to be on the roster, anything can happen if you play a team one time, as we know, you know. And you need some luck. You need you need a lot of luck. You need, first of all, you need great matchups that are going to be great for your, for your team. That's why the national title, yes, it's a great thing, but it's a little bit harder when it comes to basketball because they, you have six games to get there. You have six games to get there. And um, it's, uh, well, six games. Well, hold on. I think the sixth game is the national championship game, right? 64, 32, 16, 8. Final four. Yep. So the sixth game is the national championship game. So you're gonna need you're gonna need a lot of luck when it comes to matchups, when it comes to draws. If someone gets upset, is that good for you? Is it bad for you? So many things need to go right for that to happen. So many things need to go right. For example, if you put if you switch Duke and Virginia last year. Duke probably wins the national championship. Something simple like that. Duke probably wins the the national championship. Because Michigan State was probably one of the worst matchups that they could face. You're facing a veteran team with the best point guard, eh, second best point guard in the the, uh, country last year, who could score at a high level who can assist at a high level, who controls the pace of the game, and you had veteran big guys who were very, very mobile, and you had guys who can shoot the ball and could defend versus a team full of freshmen, super talented, but all you had to do was, you know, Zion was going to do his thing either way, but hold R.J. Barrett to, you know, a rough night shooting, don't let Cam Reddish get off and you pretty much have a situation where you should win that game which they did um so it comes down to a lot of luck and it comes down to the draw comes down to the draw comes down to luck um so i have like okay kind of like a non-michigan question but more like a big 10 question does the big 10 take a step back next year who's the most nba ready player in the big 10 um First, does the Big Ten take a step back next year? Yes, I believe they do. Uh, I believe that there is going to be more separating the first place team and the second place team. Last year, um, it was it was Michigan State Purdue. They were right there the whole year. It was Michigan State Purdue, Michigan. 
Wisconsin kind of. Even Maryland was right there in the mix for a while there, and then they, they just started tripping. But the top five was separated by by three games. Um, I mean, with five games left, that could have gone either way. That could have gone either way. Maryland could have very well won the league last year if certain things happened. So could have Wisconsin. And they ended up fourth and fifth. So at the top last year, there were five big-time teams. Five big-time teams. That was Maryland, Wisconsin, Michigan, Purdue, Michigan State. This coming year, um, it's going to be Michigan State. Then there's going to be a drop-off. Then there's going to be a second tier of teams. Then there's going to be a third tier of teams. Then there's going to be like a fourth tier. Um, So the Big Ten does take a step back in that regard. Last year, you had five teams competing for a Big Ten championship in the last in the last two weeks of the year. Um, it was a lot of fun watching. It was, it was a lot of fun watching. It was great. It was great for the league because you're competing at a high level. You get a better seed. Big Ten does better. Great. Um, but, yes, they do take a, take a significant step back this year. A lot of guys leaving, a lot of top guys leaving some of these schools. Wisconsin, Ethan Happ left. Uh, Purdue, Carson Edwards left. Um, I had someone ask me about, is Isaac Haas coming back? He was a sophomore last year. He has two more years left. (laughs) It's crazy, I know. So Michigan State not only keeps their team, they, they get better. So they have Langford coming back. Um... They have Rocket Watts coming in. He is legit. That dude is legit, legit. They have Xavier Tillman coming back. Um, Goins and McQuaid depart. Veteran guys knew their roles. Um, but they're going to have some younger guys come in. If they're ready, I I don't know. They're going to have more and better pieces next year. Um, when that happened with... Bridges both years, they kind of they kind of flailed due to the fact that there were so many pieces. And I think Izzo tried to please too many people. When Ward went down, that's when you saw Michigan State. They really clicked. Because now you have five guys who 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 can guard. You know, you're not worried about getting Nick Ward touches. All they were worried about was let's score on this possession. I don't care who it is. And let's play defense on the other end. Last year's rotation was perfect for them. I want to see how Izzo does with this rotation this coming year with more pieces and more talent. Um, That's going to be interesting. Um, But, but yes, significant drop-off. Most NBA ready player in the Big Ten. (coughs) Um, That's an easy question. Um... Dude's name Ao from Illinois, Ao Desumu, Desunmu or Desumu. I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name, but I know his first name is Ao. Dude's a six-five point guard, shooting guard, scorer. Um, if he was on a really good team last year, he probably leaves, and he's probably a first-round draft pick. Um, but he was on a flailing team, didn't really get a lot, a lot of press. It's a lot easier to be a good player on a bad team. If Illinois does what they're supposed to do this year, they're supposed to get back to the NCAA tournament. Um, they have a lot of talent, 
but Ao is like the guy. Uh, he should be a first team all all Big Tenner as a sophomore next year. Um, projected as a lottery pick right now, and uh, a good player, really good player, could score at all three levels, all three levels meaning three mid range and at the rim. Very athletic. He's a go getter. Um, he gets after it. Um, next question. What do you expect France to be rated? Um, that's, that's kind of a loaded question because there's what I think he should be rated. And then there's what the scouts rate him. The scouts are a bunch of casuals to begin with. So I believe he's a top 30 player. Don't be surprised if if he gets rated in the 40s and 50s just because these these guys are too lazy to put a number on it and they're just going to go with whatever, just throw him here just to give him the ranking, rank the team, let's move on. Um, they're not going to spend a lot of time with it. They're, they're not going to talk to a lot of people. They're going to watch some film. What they're going to see is they're going to see a lot of boring efficiency. They want the guys with dreads who jump a million feet in the air and have tattoos. So don't be surprised if he's 40s or 50s, but in my opinion, he's a top 30 player. Um, another good question. What pros and cons did France have to weigh before making his decision? Great question. Love this question. Um, the pros about staying in Europe is you get paid pretty handsomely Um for a year and then you would declare for the NBA and then it's a little bit different overseas. You can like kind of declare kind of sort of and then yeah do I want to stay with my you you have more options. So you get paid for a year and then you know that's the big plus. You get paid for a year, you're in a familiar and you're you're in a familiar environment. You're in Alba and You've been there. The only difference between this year and last year is that you're getting a nice paycheck for it. Cons, um, not as visible. Um, not as visible. Uh, and there's a different style of play when it comes to Europe. Um, different style of play that can be knocking. Um, guys aren't as athletic overseas. Guys aren't as quick overseas. Um, guys aren't as gifted overseas. I know that comes off as being very ignorant, but that's very, very true. When you look at youth levels all the way up to the men's level, like, you know, U16 Team USA to the men's league, U.S. freaking dominates everyone. And they be beating teams by like 40 points, like not even close. So the quality of basketball player in the States People make fun of, yes, you know, less fundamentals, whatever. That doesn't matter, all right? You can pivot all you want. I'm going to take the ball and dunk it on your head. Um, So it's a different game, and I don't think it would translate as well right away if he moved from Europe right to the NBA. Michigan. Cons, you don't get paid huge, but you still get tons of benefits. Like, you still get a whole bunch of free food. You still get everything paid for. You still get a whole bunch of gear. Um, 
but you don't get this nice, hefty contract for playing at Michigan. That is, that is the con. That is the only con that there is. The best part is the visibility. Super high visibility, way better marketing yourself as a player, as a person, as an individual. Just, just look at Zion. I mean, he's this crazy spectacle. Dude, I mean, I, I didn't think he, he could be more viral than he's been, but he's, he's top that. Like, it's, the, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, just being in the States, playing on ESPN um, multiple times a week where people get to see you, scouts get to see you and watch you, whether it's going to the games or just watching the, the uh, games uh, on the uh, TV. <coughs> it's huge. Also, living in living the American culture and the American style of hoops, being able to absorb it, you know, so it's not a freaking crash course as soon as he jumps to the league, which he's going to. He's a one or two year guy. Um, if he does what he's supposed to do, all right, asterisk that. If he does what he's supposed to do, he's only going to be at Michigan for one or two years, and that means that we're one or two years away from. Joe from Walgreens saying that he should stay because Michigan needs him to win a championship and we need to fire someone, something stupid like that. So, France is only going to be here for a year or two if he does what he's supposed to do, if he does what he's supposed to do, 100%. But um, when it comes to to the American style of hoops, he's going to learn so much the summer and fall more than probably he would ever learn watching games and watching Americans play overseas. And then you're going to be in the games with him and the way that they call traveling is different here. You're allowed a little bit more, more, more uh, leeway like overseas. As soon as you touch the ball, you have to dribble it immediately here in the States. You can catch it and then throw the ball out. Uh, so FIBA rules and American rules are like two different things. It's, it's almost a, it's not almost a different sport, but there's different rules. Like over there, the ball can hit the rim and it could be hanging up there. And some dude named Slavish Gabrunovic can come out of nowhere and smack the ball off the rim. And it's totally legal. You can't do that here. Um, so there are rules that are in effect there and there are all rules that are in effect here so I like I like this gray area that he's being able to come over here love the culture be one with the culture and kind of just hang out and and just be a kid for just one more year um, and then make that jump if need be after one year or two years but I think him with Sanderson I think he's going to make huge strides to his to his uh to his game, he's, he's going to make huge strides when it comes to strength, conditioning. Because strength and conditioning over here is way different than strength and conditioning over there. He's going to come over here, and he's going to turn into a man very, very quickly. If he can get up 10, 12 pounds by the start of season, his whole game is going to change. Uh, last question, uh, who makes the biggest sophomore leap? So this is interesting because I actually got this question um, – about like two months ago, 
What's changed in two months? Beeline is no longer here. So if Beeline was here, I would have said Nunez. Why Nunez? Because Johns has to battle with Livers for a spot. Castleton has to battle with Livers and Teske for a spot. Yeah, Johns with Teske too. DeJulius has to battle with, you know, Simpson for a spot. He's got to battle with Brooks for a spot. Nunez, there are no other guys between 6'4 and 6'6 on the team who was a two or three. So he had a huge opportunity, but with Juwan coming in, changes a few things. Um, I think all of them have a chance. DeJulius has a, has a chance to overtake Simpson for minutes. Johns has a chance to play the four and move Livers up to a three. Um, you know, Castleton can battle Johns for minutes and own the four spot. Um, I it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be interesting. Um, I can't wait until I get some more feedback on you know open runs and and uh, and see what's happening there. But that's pretty much it. France Wagner, Michigan, huge news, great news, probably the best news. Um, and I can't wait for football to start. So basketball is pretty much, I mean, it's not done because you know there's still the NBA summer league. Unfortunately, Zion's out for the summer because of the knee thing. Which he, he like knocked knees with someone. It it happens, but uh, if you're the Pelicans, you have to protect your asset and really, um, you know, focus on getting his body right for for the season to start. So it's uh, we're sitting here in July. July is going to be the this is the slowest month when it comes to sports. Uh, August when August comes around, it's going to ramp right back up, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so please, please, please let me know. Please let me know your thoughts. Please let me know where you stand in terms of uh, topics that I can go over and topics that I can do. I'm going to continue posting videos on my Twitter. Once again, that's uh, It's Ant Right is my Twitter. Uh, and then we have, this is available on Spotify and it's available on iTunes. So please rate, subscribe, put on the notifications. The more listeners, the better. Um, the better I do, the the more stuff I put out because you guys enjoy it. Because I do it for you guys. But this is a lot of fun for me to just sit here and rant for an hour. But that's about it. Appreciate you guys. Have a good one. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.